Hello and welcome back to the Double Double here on KLL, KLL, KLJXLP in Flagstaff. Sorry about that, y'all. My name is Gabriel Dixon, joined by my co-host as always, Dallas Cooper. How you doing, Dallas? I'm doing good, Gabe. Just glad to be here on this Wednesday night, ready to talk some football. Of course. And as always, we got Tony. Tony's been a special guest. Tony, how you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Not bad at all. And it's been a very interesting week. A couple of weeks to be a New York fan if you're into football. The New York Jets here at 4-2, and two, sitting pretty at the, uh, the AFC East division. Looking like they might take that division number one, honestly, at this point in time. New York Jets looking like a phenomenal team, but are they legit? Let me hand this off to you, Tony. I think the Jets have a really – I haven't looked at their strength schedule, but I feel as if it can go either way for the Jets. They just beat the Packers, and they beat the Dolphins previously. The biggest thing with the Dolphins is they came off – they don't have Tua, and the Jets played pretty well leading into that game, and they showed it. Zach, Zach Wilson was in that game, correct? The Dolphins game? Yeah. And they he played pretty well. He took a lead to the team. The Jets have it going on for them right now, and they held the Dolphins just to 17, 17 points that game. What do you think, Dallas? Oh, the Jets played absolutely amazing. The, the biggest thing with the defense, Robert Saleh, he's just brought this attitude to them. The Jets' defense is actually playing with a swagger. And as much as people were saying Sauce Gardner was an elite talent in college, I don't think it could be understated enough that he's overplaying those expectations and those expectations were insanely high for a corner. This was a corner we were talking about being the next coming of the Jalen Ramseys, the Darrell Revises, those lockdown, true one-to-one, can man up a number one, follow him around. And in his rookie season, quarterbacks have, just to put this into perspective, audience, quarterbacks have a higher passer rating, which is like their efficiency, when throwing the ball in the dirt than when throwing to Sauce Gardner. That's how elite he's been. Sauce Gardner's been a really good corner. You've been seeing all the highlights. You know, I'm sure if you're an Instagram guy out there. Oh, cheese Sauce head. Gardner, yeah, he's... he's that cheese head. <laughs> uh, there's nothing happier in the world to me than seeing the Green Bay Packers lose. So the New York Jets did me a solid that day. Making the all-time winningest team still tied between the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears for y'all out there. Man, you had to add that in. Yeah, I had to add that. You know, I had to. Bears fan, man. I had to. I had to. The Green Bay Packers lost 27-10 to to the Jets, New York Jets, this last week. Pretty devastating loss to the Green Bay Packers, but it shows that the New York Jets kind of aren't a joke. Robert Sala has this team, former defensive corner or defensive coordinator for the 49ers, when that team was going to championships and that defense looking really solid, Richard Sherman and Nick Bose on on the team. He's finally running his own squad, and it looks really good, honestly, at the end of the day. Robert Sala has impressed me. But do you think that the other captain of the team, basically, that most people are going to look to, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is, is, a, is a good quarterback. This is his second year in the league. But is he that guy? Do you think he can command a team to a Super Bowl appearance like Joe Burrow did last year? Let me, let me hand this to you, Dallas. I don't think that he's really the captain for their offense, honestly, Gabe. I think it's Brees Hall at this point. The Jets have been riding the hot hand with this rookie, and Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall were supposed to be like the top two backs this year, supposed to be one of the best we've had in a while. 
running the football. And they've both showed up. Specifically, Brees Hall this past game, 20 carries on 116 yards, and he had that fake reverse, which ended with a 24-yard touchdown. Absolutely beauty of a play. And he actually called his own number. It was supposed to be a real reverse, but he decided not to pitch it, and he just made something out of nothing and got a touchdown out of that. That's a captain play right there. He took the lead and made something out of nothing. That's what you need out of a star player, and he's proven he might be the best rookie on that team. What about you, Tony? Do you agree with that? Do you think Zach Wilson is not the main guy on offense? Do you think that at the end of the day, Brees Hall can lead them to a Super Bowl championship or appearance, I should say? I don't think so. I don't think he'll be that guy. I think Zach's just getting back into it, coming off an injury. He's two weeks into the season. He was leading the team pretty well. He's playing pretty well right now. But like you said, Brees Hall is playing really good. 20 carries, 116 yards, and he's taking front of this offense. He's a rookie, correct? Yeah. Yeah. As a rookie, when you come in and you're doing these things, it's going to put the league on notice. So, And the biggest thing for the Jets, Super Bowl appearance-wise, they have a really tough division. Right now, the division is pretty even with the Bills 5-1, and one, Patriots 3-3, three and three, and the Dolphins 3-3. Three and three. So it's, a little, it's pretty close right now. It's going to be an interesting situation. I think that Brees Hall, the first running back taken off the board in this last NFL draft, he's obviously shown that he's legit. I love it because I have him basically in all my fantasy teams too as well, and I drafted him high. Most people saw him coming into the league and doing something like what he's doing right now. I was a little scared, obviously, because of the Michael Carter uh, running back shares you'd have to do, but at the end of the day, it's clear that Brees Hall is the better back, so they're going to him, and you can see that this New York Jets team is really going through that defense, in my opinion. People like Sauce Gardner and Robert Saul, I think, is just – He's very good scheming for that defense at this point in time. They got really good people up front as well. And then on an offense, that's all you really need is a good run game equipped with that as well. But when you look at their when you look at their schedule so far, I don't think it has been too too hard. They lost to the Ravens and they also lost to the Bengals. Those are two decent good teams. Beat the Browns barely. Beat the Steelers and then they beat the Dolphins, and that was without, as we know, Tua Tonga Vailoa. And then the Green Bay Packers, I think, is their only solid win. So at this point in time, I'm not very sold on that team. If there's anything on that team that is going to sell you, do you think it is that defense, though, Dallas? Definitely. They're going to ride the elite talent. You have Sauce Gardner over there. Don't forget, they also have Quinn and Williams up front. And Quinn and Williams was supposed to be one of the best three tech defensive tackles in that draft when he came out. He kind of had a slow start to his career, but... Man, has he played elite. And Robert Solly's just pretty much gotten him playing in space. And also with that defense, I think Robert Solly's also brought that defensive tough attitude to the offense as well with that offensive line. They have Vera Tucker playing elite ball, Dwayne Brown at left tackle, who has been the tackle for the Seahawks the past, I think, three years. And then this past offseason was signed by the Jets. And a lot of people were skeptical by this because he's about, I think, 38 at this point and he's turned back time and he's playing at a level that you could say he hasn't played at since maybe his Houston days I think that this New York Jets team isn't elite this year and I don't honestly even consider them contenders at this point in time both these New York teams New York Giants are five and one hate to hate destroy uh, destroy your team over here Tony I'm pretty sure you're a Giants fan right yeah 
They're five and one at this point in time. I don't know if they're legit, and I don't. I don't. It, it's not a, really a slight against them at the end of the day because I think you know it takes time to be a Super Bowl contending team. Yep. Even if you have the greatest quarterback on the board, you have all the talent. You know, it takes usually more than a year for it to gel. I think the Los Angeles Rams last year getting Matthew Stafford is. It's kind of an example of where it can go right, you know. You throw someone in the mix and something. But Brian Dable, I think, is the guy to turn that organization around. Back to the New York Jets, though. I think that they, they need some time to, to establish who they actually are at the end of the day. But to, to another team that is currently undefeated and I think has a lot of aspirations going, maybe, maybe Super Bowl aspirations. Let me, let me hand this off to you, Dallas. Do you think that the Philadelphia Eagles – Philadelphia Eagles, who are undefeated at six and zero, defeated everyone in their own, in in front of them so far. Do you think that they're legit contenders? Do you, do you believe that Jalen Hurts could be hoisting that trophy at the end of the day? I think they definitely are legit contenders at this point. They don't have weaknesses throughout that roster, top to bottom. Name a position group throughout that team, and you're giving at worst a B. There's this team is elite throughout running back miles sanders good jalen hurts you got aj brown Devontae smith oh don't forget you also got dallas goddard and probably the best offensive line in football right now possibly also the best defensive line in football nizir white has played out of his mind coming off the bench they've actually benched their first round pick this past year and he hasn't played a snap since the first week of the season and this backup that's come out of nowhere is playing at an elite level now you trade for C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and don't forget, they also have Darius Slay and signed James Bradbury in the offseason. Mm. This team is elite. There's no weaknesses throughout the board. I would say I don't like their linebackers that much at the end of the day. Their secondary is elite, and their front four even. How much is that going to matter, though, if their linebackers aren't The linebackers, I think, is probably the one thing in the NFL you can get by with having below average, kind of. Um the front four is necessary, I think, unless you have an, a very explosive offense, which the Philadelphia Eagles also have. This offense, Tony, honestly, I got to throw it to you. I, I want to hear what your opinion is of the NFC. You're in the NFC East right here. What do you think? The NFC East is pretty tough right now. We've got teams that are 5-1. and one. Uh, Dallas is 4-2, and two, I believe. And they're playing – the NFC East is playing really well right now. The biggest thing with the Eagles, they have, like you said, they have an explosive offense, an elite secondary, and they're going in right now. I think they have three significant wins. It's the Vikings, Cardinals, and the Cowboys. They still have to – the rest of their schedule, they have one of the easier schedules in the league. They mm-hmm. still got to play. Yeah, very easy. Yes. They've got the really – they're tough games right now. They've got the Packers, Titans, and the Giants, who they still need to play twice. With, uh, they played the Commanders once already, and they've played – the Cowboys once, and we saw that went. <laughs> they put a show onto the Cowboys, but once Dak gets back, I think that's a different story. So we'll have to see how they hold up. They've got the biggest thing for them is linebackers, like you were saying. But their uh, front four, their offensive linemen, they got Fletcher Cox, and they have a few other guys that can still rush the quarterback, put pressure on the quarterback, which obviously it's showing pretty well right now. Their defense is holding up pretty solid. But we'll have to see, looking into these next games, really how they're going to play. It's going to be interesting. Like you pointed out, their schedule isn't that hard, in my opinion. They have the Steelers, the, e- 
They have the Steelers, the Texans, the Commanders, the Colts, Packers, Titans, Giants, Bears, Cowboys, Saints, and then the Giants again. They're not really facing too great of talent throughout the season, I would say. They do have hard ones. Like the Packers and I guess if you want to throw teams like the Titans, maybe the Giants at this point in time, you know, that's going to be a nice MetLife game up there, honestly, a lot of. That's going to be interesting, honestly, to see how yeah. those games go down. Those are going to be good games, finally, for once, for yeah. once, honestly. But do you think, let me ask you this, Tony. I'm very interested, as the New York Giants fan in here, who's the coach of the year? Is, is it, which man in New York deserves it more at this point in time? Or I not think, New York, sorry. Does, is, it, is it Brian Dayball? Or do you think it's Nick Sirianni with the Philadelphia Eagles? Or do you think it's Robert Sala with the New York Jets? I'm going to go with Brian Dabble. For the reason being, Brian yeah. Dabble, that's, that's the way you pronounce it? I believe I think, so. I think, it's, okay. I think it's Dable. I think it's Dable. Dable? Yeah. yeah. Got you. I'm going to go with him because the Giants have signed these players over the offseason, drafted these players, and have built this team coming up. And he's done so much in over a season. These players are playing at a better level than they were. Barkley's back and healthy. He's playing really well right now. You got guys on the line. Um, can't remember the he drafted uh Kayvon Thibodeau on the defense yep. who I was looking for and he's playing pretty well he came off injury a couple weeks ago and he's starting his rookie season off pretty well and I mean you're gonna go off uh, if we're going about Nick Sirianni that team they've had the team they've signed a few pieces here and there but that team has mostly been there so he's just these players have just gotten better they're going through the system they're getting better but I think Brian Dable is um definitely the answer right now for New York and I think if he continues to play this way and I think if the it can go either way the Eagles or the Giants either guy can go get a coach of the year I like that you know both both of them are showing a lot of great things at this point in time their teams are winning Dallas who would you give it to at this point oh Brian Dable what he's done in one offseason is like unprecedented but I would have to say though there's another coach of Coach of the Year candidate. It's gotta be over there in the West Mike? Coast. No, over the West Coast, up in the Northwest. A team that was supposed to be thirty second in the league this coming year, which is current three and three. I'm just saying, Pete Carroll. Oh man. my, <laughs> Pete Carroll. Man, just had to throw that yes, in there, huh? Yes, sir. We'll see how the season finishes for that guy at this point. But that team definitely looks better than I thought they would at this point in time. I think than most people did. I think most people thought they'd be probably one of the worst teams in the season uh, in the league. So so far, he's definitely at least has his hat, his name in the hat. You know, he's he's definitely not totally out of the race. But I can't be going. He's not, he's uh, not front running though. But I can't be saying you know he's he's front running that at all. I think both those coaches, Nick Sirianni, who I I I didn't really like too much coming out. He's looking really good right now at this point in time. At least putting a game plan together Absolutely. for his team. Can't really question it too much. We have highlighted the lack of talent that they faced, but still, you know, you're undefeated. About to go into the bye week, too, so we'll see what happens with that team. The New York Giants. New York Giants, man, they have looked amazing, and I can't understate just exactly how much Brian Dayball, or Dayball has been going doing for this team since he, he joined the team. He was he was my leading candidate for the Chicago Bears, and I'm pretty sure he, he probably was leading candidate out there for most, for most teams. He's an offensive genius. We saw it with, 
him work with Josh Allen and what he was able to do, develop that team into what it is now, at least be a major part of that team. So best of luck to that guy, man. But we'll be back in a couple minutes to be talking a little bit more NFL. Y'all stay tuned, and thank you for joining. Hello, and welcome back to the Double Double on KLJX LP here in Flagstaff. My name is Gabriel Dixon, and we're getting right back into some football. Some NFL, some good topics. The Arizona Cardinals just saw someone go down their receiving corpse, and that was Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown has been the leading receiving target for Kyler Murray this year. Has really been what they hoped for when they, dra- when they traded for him from the Baltimore Ravens. Unfortunately, he's going down with an ankle injury. Who knows if he'll be back? Um, I guess, sorry, it was a foot injury. Sorry, my folks. Who knows if he'll be back? They're saying it might be a couple weeks. Who knows? It might be a season long. But in the meantime, the Arizona Cardinals didn't wait to step in to make a replacement. And now it's going to be Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson from the Carolina Panthers looks like they might be blowing things up over there. Talks about Christian McCaffrey going. But what I want to talk about mainly is how is this going to affect the Arizona Cardinals? Does Robbie Anderson really, really pose as someone that can step in for Marquise Brown? They also have DeAndre Hopkins coming back for this, this next week. Dallas, what do you think about this, this Arizona Cardinals team after this trade? I think with Hopkins stepping back or coming back, Anderson is perfect as a number two receiver. And the prospect of having Robbie Anderson being your number three receiver when Hollywood Brown comes back is a really good prospect to have if you're a Cardinals fan. That's three receivers that you could argue are number one receivers in this league. Still have Zach Ertz. James Conner at running back. They have guys. I think Eno Benjamin's been starting because of James Conner's injury. Yeah. Eno looking good, though. Yeah, he's, so been he's, playing, playing. he's been playing really good. And the O-line's been struggling a little bit. But at the end of the day, the prospect of having in Cliff's offense this air raid, four wide receivers. Rondell Moore's your wide receiver four now. How is he going to even find snaps? That's the confusing part. You, know. you just drafted him second round. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's in, the team building process for the Cardinals has been weird, but at, I guess the journey's weird, but the destination so far, I guess I can't complain. They have three number one wide receivers. So what do you think about that, Tony? There's the complication of, like he said, Rondon Moore. You just drafted him second overall, or with your second pick. You need to bring over a guy like Robbie Anderson. Do you think that maybe they're over-equipping themselves at this point in time? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is clearly a number one in this league. Do you think it was necessary to go get a guy like Robbie, or do you think this will improve the team? I don't know. I think it's going to be a little bit tough for them now. I think guys might start trying to argue over who's going to get these targets, and it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for defenses as well. Now they're going to have to watch out for three number one guys. One's uh, A.J. Brown or Marquise Brown? Marquise, Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown is back. So you're going to have three number one guys on the field. And how are you going to go about it? That's the biggest thing. But DeAndre Hopkins is for sure the number one. But I think the biggest problem is for Rondell Moore. Um, once Brown is back, he's going to be pushed to the four, like you said. And now we're going to have either Robbie Anderson or Brown in the slot. So what are we going to do in the situation of who's going to get these targets? Obviously, we know who's going to get these jump balls, these big, long passes. Is going to be Hopkins. And then you have two pretty speedy guys. Yeah, both 4-3. Yeah. <laughs> both guys that can go down the field and get these slant routes and get an extra 5, 10 yards on these yards after catch, stuff like that. It's the biggest thing. They have a big threat right now. And I think it might cause controversy in the wide receiver room, but 
we'll have to see as time tells. To me, it's a very interesting situation. I think that the Arizona Cardinals, especially Kyler Murray himself, likes to have a number one receiver. That's clear when DeAndre Hopkins is playing, he was his number one, you know. He's throwing them that ball at least 13 times a game, like at least, at you know, least, if you're yeah. watching those games. Same thing with Marquise Brown this year. Marquise Brown, 13 times a game. So I think that the Arizona Cardinals don't need a number one, don't need really necessarily a, a really strong number two. I think A.J. Brown, AJ Green last year was a really good number two for them at the end of the day, but he wasn't that special, yeah. you know. I think Robbie Anderson could perfectly fit that role. Uh, it's just interesting, too, how the offense is going to look to me when they co- when Marquise Brown, who knows he's going to be back this season. But with D-Hop back, I think it's going to look totally fine. I think the, the system is going to go back to kind of how it was. Robbie Anderson is going to slip into that number two. Rondell Moore can be that number three for the team still is, at this point in time. So right now it's a, it's a really good – Trade for now. Let's see what happens. They got him, for, I think, for a, f- a fifth and a sixth round pick. I, c- I could be wrong on those. And they could be conditional ones, too, as well. I'll pull that up. So I think it's going to look pretty good for this Arizona Cardinals team. But I don't think that this is what that team is lacking, per se, too, at this point in time. Oh, yeah. I think the offensive line could look a little bit better. And I think that the defense is obviously missing some holes after Chandler, Chandler Jones leaving. One of the best defensive ends in the league. That secondary, I think, looks pretty sorry. And wow, Zayvon Collins is that first round pick from last year. Oof, oof. It's it's an interesting Not situation. If I was there in the Cardinals, it just looks like mismanagement to me yeah. at this point in time, because as a Chicago Bears fan, we don't have any we, uh, receiver wise. Man, we wish we had one of those guys. If we had Rondell Moore, wow, like that actually would be like actually he'd be our number two right now. Like he'd it'd be solid. There's a lot of teams in the league. I guess they're prioritizing their offense at this point in time. Cliff Kingsbury. We know he's an offensive-minded head yeah. coach. So he's definitely just ta- attacking that side of the ball at this point in time. But let's move on to another NFL team. It's going to be the New York Giants. We're 5-1. and one. New York Giants haven't been good in a decent amount of time. Not the only t- team in New York like we were talking about earlier that's looking pretty good. Daniel Jones leading this team to 5-1. and one. New head coach. Is this team legit? Do you think that the G-men are back? Let me go to Dallas at this one. I'm not completely sure yet. I think at the end of the day, their defense has played at a really good level so far, and I expect that to stay. The Giants have had a good defense for the past couple of seasons. Like This is not a surprise that their defense is playing well. Brian Dable has made the offense look a lot better, but at the end of the day, I think without having true receiving weapons for Daniel Jones, it's going to be tough when the playoffs come because defenses are going to key in on Barkley. They're not going to let Barkley kill him in the receiving game, and they're going to load the box and force Daniel Jones to win. And that's going to be the question. Can Daniel Jones win with the receiving threats he has? And I really don't see it when playoff com- time comes. Oh, they look like the Chicago Bears. I always relate things back to my team somehow, whenever it's, whenever it's bad especially. <laughs> somehow Chicago has something to relate to it. But... The receiving corps do look pretty atrocious at this point in time for the New York Giants. Yeah. And at the same time, we don't really know if Daniel Jones is that true quarterback. Tony, as the Giants fan, the local Giants fan in the room, how do you feel about your team? I feel they're playing pretty well, but like you said, the receiving core is the biggest problem we have. We're paying Kenny Galladay a ridiculous Ooh. amount of money just for him to go out there and play just, eh? And how are we going to go out there and do that? 
I mean, we picked up a few guys, nothing special. I think we picked up um, David Sills. We picked him up, but it's, it's nothing special. Our receiving core is nothing special. Like you said, they're going to zone in on Barkley, and we're not going to allow to run, and we're going to figure out through the passing game. With To me, Daniel Jones is not the answer at quarterback. He's playing a lot better than he has the last few seasons, making better throwing decisions, not throwing into triple, double coverage, stuff like that. But it, it's going to be a real test if we uh, clinch that wild card. So in your opinion, Tony, do you think it's more Daniel Jones or the receiving core? I think it's a little bit of both. I think some of the these balls are being thrown really well, and the receivers aren't coming down with them. But on the other hand, it goes both ways. But I would probably lean more blame on the receiving core. It's interesting, to say at least. I think Daniel Jones, to me, has really turned it around this year. Whenever I've watched him, he's looked composed more than anything else. He looks like he's he knows what he's doing in the offense. Man, we have all these spider webs in here, and I'm trying to look at Tony in his eyes and just getting to me, honestly. But the Giants, particular Daniel Jones, looks like he knows what he's doing in this offense. I think everything has been set very well for him. I think that he's had a simpler game plan. Did you got a simpler game plan put for, put forth for himself? You know, the offense is kind of focused around his run game, especially in the in the red zone a lot of times. Not his run game, but just the run game in itself, and being creative. You know, which I think is is going to work for a little for a while, but not. Not forever. You know, you're going, to need, you're going to need a more stable option at the end of the day. So we'll see what happens with that. But that's going to have to do it for us. Tony, thank you for joining us. Yep, thank you guys for having me. You already know, until next week. And then Dallas, we'll be back in a couple of minutes to be talking some NBA. Yes, Y'all sir. stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to the Double Double here on KLLJX, KLJXLP in Flagstaff. My name is Gable Dixon. I've been messing that up all day today. But thank you for staying tuned. Throughout all the madness, I'm here with Dallas Cooper. Dallas, how you feeling so far? Oh, man, I was excited to talk about NFL football. We had to talk about some of these new teams coming up. It's been kind of a weird year, but we got NBA that started up last night, man. Excited to see that. It was fun watching those games. Finally, feels great to be back. NBA opening night. NBA kicked off with some very exciting teams to watch. Some teams that definitely have been talked about a lot in the offseason. One of them was the Celtics versus the Sixers. The Boston Celtics came out handily in that in that game. At first, it looked like a decent one through three quarters, and then the Boston Celtics behind Jason Tatum and Jalen Hurts or Jalen Hurts, Jalen Brown, really came out showing that they that they were there not to not to take any business and that, that they were serious coming into this season, especially off that Finals loss. What do you make of both of these teams, specifically the Boston Celtics, so far? The Celtics played. Great. I thought Ime Udoka not being their coach was going to hurt them. I thought it was going to be hard for the new coach. But, man, he implemented them playing fast. They're playing at this pace. It's a new level that they've not played at. The ball movement, it's insane to watch. It looked like when you were watching both of these teams, it was completely different brands of basketball. You could tell. They, they both idolize and see the game differently. It was not even close night and day. And I think Malcolm Brogdon, I have to say, I think he's a better player than Marcus Smart. He needs to start for them. It's going to be interesting to see how specifically that works out. But let me go back to that point with Aimee Odoka. With him stepping out briefly because of his, his suspension, if you haven't heard people, he's suspended for the entire season. 
Do you think that this game plan was his, or do you think it was the backup coaches? The defensive scheme, a lot of the same stuff was from Imu Udoka. Not, they didn't change it up necessarily on defense. Offense, I don't think it was also even a completely change of scheme. It was, I think he was just more putting a more emphasis on playing faster. That allowed them to get more touches. If you watch them, they, they looked a lot like the Golden State Warriors and in terms of ball movement. They really did, honestly. And to the point about Malcolm Brown, Brogdon, he looked really good. He had limited minutes, only played 24, coming off the bench. Shot the ball very well. I think that they will use him more coming into the season. But do you think he's a better fit for that starting five, per se, more than, than a Marcus Smart? Do you think he's a better passer, maybe a better facilitator, Dallas? I, I think he's a better passer and a better scorer, and I, I don't think it's close compared to Marcus Smart. He's, he's proven in his past stops that he can lead an offense to hyper-efficiency while he himself keeps his efficiency even at elevated levels. When he was on the Pacers, he was scoring about 18 a game. This is not no guy who's only been at 12, 13 his entire career. He's shown flashes of dropping 18 and 8, 18 and 7. He's a good point guard, and he's not bad at defense. He's a, he's a plus defender. So at the end of the day, they started Derek White as well. Would you just start Malcolm Brogdon over Derek White maybe? Do you think that might be the solution, or would you like to see Marcus Smart coming off the bench? I think you need one of Marcus Smart or Brogdon on the bench just to elevate the bench offense. Derek White, you don't really want him leading an offense. I'm fine with Derek White being a starter because in the, in the starting lineup, he's a fifth man. And on the bench, if he, they went into an all-bench lineup and dro- like brought Brogdon up and then bench White, Derek White would have to be the sixth man now. And I don't think that's a position they really want Derek White to be in. They'd rather him be kind of the, like kind of the last piece on offense more. I do agree with you, but I think... I think if it was my team, I'd honestly have Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench. I'd have him be the sixth man. <clears throat> I'd have him running the second team. And probably closing games out and start it instead of Derek White. But I do like Derek White starting just because of his defense as well. He can play pretty good de- perimeter defense, I think, better than Jalen Brown. And him with Marcus Smart would be an elite perimeter defense coming out and then you have those wing wing scores you got to worry about Derek White can shoot the ball he, no one's too scared but we saw in this past playoffs he can pop off sometimes yep. you know he can make a shot or two so I think it's it's gonna it's it's going to be interesting to see how this team works that out at the end of the day you have a lot of talent which is the best thing you can ask for yep. working that out especially with your head coach gone who knows if they can make that work you know I think the Boston Celtics are a legit contender, though. So we'll see how far that team can go. Jalen Brown, I think, has been stepping up. He looked looked like the second man yesterday, you know, behind Jason Tatum. But Jason Tatum, in my opinion, in those last playoffs, didn't look like the big boy he really needed to be. Last night he did. But regular season is a different thing, you know. Let's move on to the Philadelphia Sixers, though, the same team that lost last night. James Harden, though, was probably the biggest storyline coming out of that team. Yep. Looked like he dropped some weight, looked a little bit more athletic, a little bit more like his head was in the game, making incredibly deep shots, facilitating when he could, but overall it didn't get the job done. 
Does this Philadelphia Sixers team have promise to you, Dallas, or do you think that they're going to do the same thing that they've done in years past and come up short in the postseason? If the offense doesn't change, it's going to it's going to come up short again. James Harden played absolutely great, but the amount of dribbles, there was a stat that came out. He had over 530 dribbles. The next combined, the rest of his teammates combined only had just over 400. He had 100 more than everyone else combined. That That's not a recipe for success. And Joel Embiid has to work on his passing and playmaking. It's too obvious that the scheme is once he dribbles the ball in the post, send a double, he struggles passing out. He always turns the ball over when trying to pass out the post. It's, it's too much of a problem. He needs to slow the game down for himself. Just like that Boston Celtics team, <clears throat> this team is loaded. They got a lot of great players. Tyrese Maxey, P.J. Tucker, Tobias Harris. A lot of good role players. He's the X Factor. Yep. You got DeAnthony Melton, Daniel House, some good three-point spot-up shooters. And I saw a lot of Doc Rivers in the po- in this in this offseason talking of talking to James Harden specifically about being that guy, you know, really imposing your will. So I think that this was their game plan was to have James Harden kind of dominate the offense and have Joel Embiid play off it, which I don't like. I think at the end of the day, you play off Joel because he is your MVP right now, you know. He's the guy that's clearly the number one on your team. James Harden, he might return back to MVP form. I still think at that point, I I think Joel is the number one. So I think that this this offense isn't that focused. I don't think it's focused in the right direction, personally. I've never thought Doc Rivers has been that great of a coach as well. Not to slide him too much on this point, but... I think that this team, most teams in the league, what you're seeing in today's NBA, too, is not static basketball. And for some reason, like you said last night, we see James Harden dribbling the ball over 100 times more than the rest of his team. 100 times. 100. He he dribbled the ball 100. More than 100. Yeah, more than 100 than, than anyone else on his team. So this is just not the way of the NBA today. I think Doc Rivers needs to understand, and I think James Harden is capable of adjusting to that type of offense as well. He showed it. I think, he, yeah, he definitely showed it, you know, even with when he was on Brooklyn, you know. He was able to just be the facilitator a lot of times, had multiple games of 10-plus assists, you know, and really was only scoring 20-plus a game. I think that this, this offense has a lot going for it, especially with a young up-and-coming up talent like Tyrese Maxey. I just think that Doc Rivers is not handling it well, Dallas. Oh, absolutely. Somebody needs to tell Tobias Harris he needs to live up to that contract because Tobias Harris is the X factor for this team. He's getting guarded, excuse me for lack of a better term, bums. He's getting guarded by the worst defender on the team so far. Everyone for the last half a year, actually a year and a half, has been putting the worst player on Tobias Harris because he has not taken advantage. He needs to be more decisive out there. Going out there and scoring, what what did he score this past game? 18 points. 18. On two rebounds, zero assists. Zero assists. He needs to be more decisive out there. 18 points, that is good. But 18 points, how much shots was he taking? He, he needs to take more. We need him being more of an X factor. You're getting guarded by the worst players. Take advantage. 
That's a really good point, honestly. I think they paid him definitely not sure on this. I think it was five year, 180 million. Something like that, yep. At the point in time. He got paid big bucks by the Philadelphia 76ers, and at the time it was kind of looked at that they paid him over Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler had some words to say about that a couple of years after they were facing each other in the playoffs and they eliminated them. So Tobias Harris is a big part of this puzzle. I think that does need to work as well. But I think that people like Joel Embiid need to be the true MVP that they are, impose themselves because no one can really guard that guy, you know. And Doc Rivers needs to impose, needs to make a game plan together at the end of the day to to center around him, and have a situation brought together to when he's double teamed, the man knows how to get out of it or at least get to the hole quick enough to where he can make his he can get a shot. But <clears throat> the one thing I've always had a, a big trouble. Big thing to say about Joel Embiid was that he doesn't he does he plays too much front to the basket. He doesn't play back to the basket enough. He's always trying to take these fadeaways or threes. Man, you're seven one, two eighty. You know we don't need to see you out here taking fadeaways. You know I need to see your, your big body down low, but that's just me. And I know that today's NBA kind of does make you space the floor out a little bit more, take more open, take more further away shots. You know it's kind of just kind of the style of the game but when you're someone like that someone that big I think you got to get to the paint what do you think Dallas you don't pay him and expect him to be MVP Joel Embiid being trying to play like Kevin Durant you expect him to be a version of Shaq that can kind of shoot that's what you're expecting him to be you don't pay Joel Embiid to get these high posts jab step step back mid-range step back no you are 7-1 290 rumor is over 300 now Dude, get your butt in the paint, drop step, maybe a post hook, and use your size. No one in the league can stop you one-on-one. -on -one. They have to send a double. That's real. You know, someone that wants to act like their MVP, too, I think you got to impose your will. You know, take a, take a book out of Shaq's, take, a, take some knowledge out of Shaq's book, you know, and, and understand that as a big man, you know, there's time for taking threes like Carl Anthony Towns, but most of the time you got to get down low. And I don't think he averages enough rebounds, too. At the end of the day, I think he averaged 13 or something or 11 this last season. The boys should be averaging 15, you know, at least. He's the, the most dominant person down low. I don't think there's a question about that in the NBA, especially scoring. Maybe, I mean, I like my boy Nikola Jokic, but I don't know if he's better than Joel down low. You know, Joel's... He's a monster, you know. He can dunk on anybody. Man, so I'm post. trying to see more of that. Maybe I'm just biased on that point of view. But let's move on to another game. We got the Lakers versus the Warriors. Lakers kind of looking like the same old Lakers. People getting disappointed. Russell Westbrook trade talks are already swirling over again. And then also on the other side, the Golden State Warriors had a tremendous ring ceremony last night. Things looked amazing before the game. And then they did, they did what the Warriors do. They kind of came out and they showed Steph Curry also showing that he's not going away anytime, shoot, anytime soon. Shooting the lights out, man. Making those spectacular 30-foot shots like we've seen in years past. What was your analysis of this game? Both of those teams played exactly how I expected. It was a close game, actually, or not a close, but it was a, you know, not too bad of a game going into halftime. And the traditional dub nation third quarter run where they just heave threes and the momentum swings wide open happened. 
we were all expecting it. We all knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter, is tonight the night where it's going to fall? And boy, did it happen. Curry dropped 33 points. Andrew Wiggins had 20. And then rookie James Wiseman had, was that, 8 points and 7 rebounds in only 18 minutes of play. As a, this is, remember, his first kind of playing time. Last year he kind of played, but his first playing time since really high school. Like, he, he was injured during college. Injured last year. He played a little bit last year, but was injured. He's, this kid is going to be something. He's only 21. He's going to be something. That's what's really special about this team, honestly, is that when you look down the list <clears throat> to their backups, Jordan Poole, Jamichael Green, Dante DiVincenzo, James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Modi, Ryan Rollins. Man, oh man, could you imagine what the what the Lakers would do to have two of those guys? Anyone, could you imagine yeah. if they if they if they had Dante DiVincenzo and Jonathan Kaminga? They'd be happy. They'd be they'd be way they'd way, be happier. way happier. Like that, I don't know this this Golden State Warriors team. It's hard for me to like say that they are gonna repeat. But they have a really good chance, honestly. Especially James Wiseman. I think he only played, like, what, 17 minutes last night? Yeah, yeah coming out with 8 and 7. Those are really good numbers, you know, at the end of the day. Give him 34 minutes. I know NBA doesn't exactly work like that. But if you have another player on that team averaging 16 and 14, oh, my. Oh, my. And he's goodness. coming off of the ACL injuries. That's we, what's crazy. We all love Kevon Looney. But... This man, James Wiseman, had more points and more rebounds in less minutes. It's different. Looney's a great player. He's probably the better player right now. Just, like, he knows the system. He's a better... He just knows how to be a pro, a big man. He knows how to be in the right spot. But when Wiseman does figure that out, it's going to be special. This is a kid who has three-point shooting potential, already has a mid-range shot. For us to say... He's also seven foot one. That's the crazy part, and is a crazy lob threat. One of the most athletic seven footers, seven higher than seven foot seven footers we've ever seen in the league. This is a seven foot one person who's a lob threat, and his, I think his vert was over thirty five inches. This is not. This is an athletic freak. When he figures it out in this Warrior system with Curry, he's gonna be wide open. Cause how are you not gonna double Curry? It's going to be really scary. I think that Klay Thompson only played 20 minutes last night. 18. He had 18 points. 18. That's pretty good. Very scary, honestly. When you look at this team, you have time to – only person that played over 30 minutes was Curry. He had 33. 33 minutes. That's that's, 33 points in 33 minutes. That's scary. This man's showing that he's not going away anytime soon. I really am starting to believe in Curry, especially when it comes postseason time, you know, a guy like that, someone that can be reliable, his shots, and just not even if he's reliable, but just what he will do to a defense. Yep. At the end of the day is is terrifying. And then when you add all these bench players at the end of the day, I think that's what, when you look at any of the real contenders in the, in the NBA today, they have a solid bench. They run at least eight deep. You know, a lot of times, even if you have those true superstars, I think about, like, the Los Angeles Clippers, not the Lakers. Yep. But the Lakers, let's, let's focus on them for a second. Los Angeles Lakers, not looking like too great of a team. Ooh, no, no, no. Russell Westbrook catching a lot of slack. 
Had 19 points, 11, 11 rebounds, and 3 assists in 31 minutes. 7 for 12 for shooting. Do you think that the slack is warranted? What do you think about Russell Westbrook? What should happen with him and this team? He's, he's not the biggest. He's not even close to being a top three biggest problem on the Lakers right now. Name a wing defender on that team right now. They don't have one. Stanley Johnson, that's your wing defender. Austin Reeves, six foot three. That is not your wing. Who is he going to guard? You're going to put LeBron on, on the best person on their team? Well, then good luck to LeBron's offense at this age. You're not putting LeBron on the best player on the other team. Who's that leaving to play defense in that starting lineup? Austin Reeves going to have to guard Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown? Hey, man, that's why they got Pat Bev. Pat, Be- <laughs> Pat Bev is only six foot one. These wing players in the league are starting to dominate the league now. They're six foot eight now, ball handlers. Who's guarding Luka Doncic on that team? I guess that's why they got Lon- Lonnie Walker, but he he not, he did not. Eaten alive. He yeah, got eaten last night at least. Yeah, he did not look good. He's he's always had that problem physically. He can always defend, but once the passes goes away from him and he has to defend off ball and keep track of his guy, that's when it struggles. And the Lakers just don't have a ball stopper. Who's on that team that any team in the league, any wing in the league is scared of? Is Kawhi and Paul George looking at any defender on the Lakers scared? Absolutely not. They're mm. laughing. They're laughing at that wing defense. Austin Reeves is going to have to check them. I think down low is a little bit of different, you know, because then you'll have to meet maybe a little bit of LeBron and AD. But definitely on those wings, man, and getting your own separation and plays start moving, it's going to be really hard for this team. And then you go to that bench, Kendrick Nunn. I think the best part of that bench was just sad to say. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, that's that's not definitely not what you want being he your best play, player. He played well, though. He played he, well. He played well. I don't expect that from from entire yeah. season. We'll see, though. Yeah. I liked him a lot on uh, Miami. Yeah. Miami, he looked really good. Then you go like Matt Ryan. I'm like Matt Ryan. Are we talking about football right now? <laughs> and then you go Austin Reeves, Juan Toscano, Anderson, formerly on the Warriors. He. He's a good defender. We'll see how that we'll see how that works out for this team. You know, you don't want him playing more than 20, like ten. Yeah, minutes he a played game, fourteen though. minutes last yeah, night. Yeah, you really don't want him playing too much. Wayne Gabriel, Max Christie, Scottie Pippen Jr. It's sad when you look when you go down this list. Yeah, you know, there's, it is. There's no hope, and that's that's probably the biggest part too. I think a lot of these teams you can look like to the Warriors. You'd be like even Moses Moody. So when I got barely played any minutes last night, you'd be like. The Lakers would love to have someone they could be like, oh, maybe he'll be actually, like, a good shooter or, like, a good defender slash shooter for us, you know, like a decent player. Besides people like Matt Ryan. We'll see. Oh. Honestly, I don't want to rip on Matt Ryan too much. You know, you could turn out to be amazing, but time will tell with this Lakers team. I just think that there's not a lot of belief in this team. Bro, straight up. Look at the Warriors and what changed the Warriors, how they went to the championship. Andrew Wiggins was the biggest name that, that changed in the past season, a wing defender that can score. Lakers don't have none of that. And there's no belief in that because who are they going to trade to get that? You're going to try to trade Westbrook? Well, who's giving up a wing player for Westbrook in, at this stage right now? It's, it's not, there's not a lot of hope right now for Rob Palenka. He's kind of put that team in a bind. They're in a bind for in a couple years. The Los Angeles Lakers, they got a lot of problems with them. They got a lot of problems mixing with this team. Rob Polinka, I think, has been getting probably the most heat of the criticism. He if should. you look online for the past couple hours, past day since the game happened. And I think it's very deserving. 
This team's not constructed well, and, you know, a lot of times when you go all in, I understand. Team can kind of reset and be in this weird limbo stage yep. when you when you go in with all that money, getting a lot when getting Anthony Davis trading a decent amount of pieces for him, Brandon Ingram, Josh, Josh Hart, you know, you're kind of going all in. And then also when you get Russell Westbrook, things like that really sets you in for something. And I think I would not I wouldn't be one to say I wouldn't make those same mistakes. But it seems like there's been no effort to make any moves in the, in the offseason for any players that really could contribute to this team that much. What do you think about that, Dallas? Do you think that Rob Polinka is in the hot seat at this point in time? He needs to be. I, He should have been in the hot seat a long time ago. Yes, he got them the championship, and that was worth it. But since then, every move he's made has been driving this team down. Again, from that championship run, why did they change the team? Why did you not pay Alex Caruso? What was he asking for? 40-something million? That's not a lot. That's not. He wasn't asking for a crazy amount, and you chose not to pay a starter on a championship team. That's insane to me. That, that's wild. You he's had, doing wonders for my Bulls right now. He's doing, he's doing amazing. He's literally playing exactly how he played with the Lakers and showing exactly what he showed them and helped them to a championship. And Rob Palenka said, nah, that's crazy for a GM. It's not like the money was a problem. That's, the, that's what's even worse. Let's, let's cover this game real quick. Because I think the Los Angeles Lakers have been the same, same talking point for probably the past year and a half at this point in time. And I love me some Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. I almost said Westbrook, man. That, that just kind of rolls off the tongue these days, <laughs> I guess. But Charles Barkley Skip said it last this. night, man. It's sad to see what that team is kind of doing to him. Everyone, all the blame is being put on him, I believe, a lot of the times. And his, he's just not built for that team. Yeah. At least without all the wing 3 and D shooters that you're looking for, you know, like you were mentioning. But the Pelicans, New Orleans Pelicans, just played a couple hours ago against the Brooklyn Nets. Ooh. And they beat them by 22 points. Zion Williamson did Zion Williamson did play on this game. He had 25 points, 9 rebounds and 3 assists in 30 minutes. Brandon Ingram, the scoring machine for that team, had 28, 7 rebounds and 5 assists. This team looks really good on paper. CJ McCollum also having 21 points. Jonas Valanciunas looks like to be the center that they need. The Brooklyn Nets didn't look too bad themselves, at least their star players. Kevin Durant having 32. Kyrie Irving only having 15, though, in 34. It's a pretty pretty intense game to start out the season. I was looking forward to it. Thought the New Orleans Pelicans would bring the heat, but I thought the Brooklyn Nets would take this game, honestly. What do you think about this this Pelicans team after this win? Do you think that they're uh, they're gonna try to make their names known in the Western Conference in that hard hard conference? Man, I've been hyping this team up all off season, and Zion came and yes, he made me sound like a genius. Twenty five on the Nets. Yes, the Nets. What's their weakness? No, nobody at Inside. the rim. Nobody at the rim. Mm-hmm. And what is Zion? One of the best historical rim finishers we've literally seen. Modern version of Shaq at this point. No one else is more dominant and takes more shots at the rim. It's insane. He literally got a left-hand layup and a left-hand dunk. That's all he got. He's, he's, he's a monster, man. I've never seen someone <laughs> be so vicious with the rim since Shaq. It's though. insane. Mm. It's insane. 
And Brandon Ingram also, when he dropped Brandon Ingram, I think it was over 20. 28. 28. Showing, he's the, he's the Kevin Durant that we've all tried to see the next version of. Ingram's probably the closest we've got, we're going to see to that. And 28 on Kevin Durant. Amazing game for the Pelicans. And then you have people like C.J. McCollum, honestly, coming through and dropping 21 points. Great third option. That, that's one of the best third options in the league. It's going to be intense. I think the New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans have a chance to make it to the playoffs. But the, the West is stacked. Oh, yeah. They got a lot of talent in the West. It's going to be no joke. I think they definitely can make an eighth seed. We'll see if they can make it a little deeper in there, maybe a sixth, fifth. Could be. Could be. But then you're talking about beating up teams like Memphis and Denver, and I think Denver's gonna be top, like top, top three seeds. Yeah, I think Denver's gonna be up there, you know. But then you also got the Clippers, yeah. and, and and yes, for sure, and the Clippers and the Warriors, and even the Timberwolves are gonna have something yes. to say about that this year. It's a bloodbath. Very in the interesting. West. Well, we'll be back in a couple minutes to be talking about my real life example. Continue a little bit NBA and some other things. Y'all stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to the Double Double here on KLJX LP in Flagstaff. My name is Gable Dixon, joined by my co-host Dallas Cooper as always. And I'm going to be talking about my real life example for a little bit. Those of you who join know what it is, but those of you who haven't, I'm just going to be talking about a subject and trying to relate it to y'all in some pop culture fashion so you can get it a little bit easier. Today I'm going to be talking about someone special, someone probably near and dear to most of y'all hearts here in Arizona. And that man's going to be Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury has been getting a lot of flack lately. This man is the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. He came onto the scene hot. A lot of people thinking he was the savior. Man sent from heaven with the God, God's given game plan. Ready to come through and save all of you Arizonans from the basement that you've, I'm sure, know most, most, most frequently know about. Hey, man, I'm a Chicago Bears fan. We all know what it's about. But Cliff Kingsbury was the guy to bring you out of it. This guy came in, had a nice game plan, teamed up with Kyler Murray. Really showed that, hey, man, we might have something going here. And even this year, going into this season, I would say most of you out there probably had big expectations for this man. Even after the big slump last year, after winning nine games in a row, I believe. Was that them, Dallas? Am I, am I mistaken? No, I think they won. They won a good amount in a row. I they, don't remember. Exactly. They had a nice solid streak last yeah. year, and I believe they they lost the last six games. Yeah, it was some something like that. They lost a lot in the in the end. So it was it's an interesting situation with the Arizona Cardinals because they give you some hopes, and then they have moments like that. But then the year before that, they looked really good. They looked like they had promise. A young team with a young quarterback, really really looking to go somewhere. You know, reminded me of something. Something near and dear to a lot of our hearts, too, as well, nowadays, especially if you're on social media a lot. And that's going to be Ice Spice. Now, I don't want to pick too much on her at this point in time, but she has a nice hit single. It's been going crazy. I'm sure you've heard it. It's really the hottest thing in the street, but who knows if she can really have something that can follow up like this. Kind of reminds me of someone like 6ix9ine a rapper from Brooklyn, New York. Came out with a lot of hits a couple years ago. Hasn't really done much since. You know, has some things go off there and there. You, you see him on social media, maybe 
They're popping up. Maybe they're making some moves. Kind of like Cliff Kingsbury, though. Come on the scene hot, you think, wow, this is the next thing, you know? This thing is popping right now. But I think they're going to fade out. Kind of like 6ix9ine. I spice, I'm sorry, but I think it's going to happen to you. Can't really tell too much at this point in your career, but I like that song, I'm not going to lie. And you have that second one, I think it kind of sounds like, like that SpongeBob beat, but we'll see what happens with you, girl. I'm sorry about that. But another one that really I think it kind of relates to, too, is Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious, the movie series. Man, do we remember those first couple. Even all the way up to maybe even Tokyo Drift, you know. I think most people would start saying it slid a little bit during that time. But you have to respect the number one and two Fast and Furious movies, in my opinion. Great movies, and then it starts sliding off from there. I think that Cliff Kingsbury is kind of like these things, you know. They're hot. They come in on the scene. They got their own style. They're fresh. They're young. They have their own style that they're trying to impose. And it works for a little bit, but then they're not innovative enough. They don't change their game enough. There's not enough actual, dare I say, talent behind it. I think that Cliff Kingsbury, it's kind of like the Fast and Furious series. It's good at first. Once you start hitting five and six, you started to think, where did, when should we have stopped this train? You know? And I think that we're kind of, in, we're at three or four right now with Cliff and Kingsbury. And I can, I can envision it going downhill even faster. It reminds me of Matt Nagy, my precious Chicago Bears coach that brought us a 12-4 and four season his first season. First season as our head coach, I should say. And after that, it was all downhill. Nothing really else to look forward to. And on that team, didn't have that much talent to work with either. It wasn't like that team was destined for the Super Bowl. They had Mitch Trubisky as our quarterback. So I don't think it really has to, it has to do with a lot of the talent a lot of times. I think it has to do with the coach. We can see that even with, with teams with the New, New England Patriots, with Bill Belichick. They're winning with Zappy as their quarterback, you know? That's my favorite thing, watching watching the Patriots play this, this last couple of weeks, just hearing Zappy from the, from the announcers every once in a while. I think it shows, you know, that a coach can either adapt with their team, can understand the game exactly the way that it is, or they can take a step behind. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think – I think that 9 out of 10 coaches probably aren't built for that, you know? We have the – Pete Carroll's of the world, Mike Tomlin's, Bill Belichick's really in there throughout, can kind of adapt with the times. Even even those coaches you can see go through some down times. But with Cliff Kingsbury, I think what we're seeing is him trying to still impose that same game plan that we've seen in, in year one. He's still trying to – he's not figuring out his team and what his team really needs. He's not being creative enough on offense, I believe. I think that Colin Murray, in the connection with his number one, is really just their game plan overall. So I think they're going to lose, especially come playoff time. And it's going to be like someone like 6'9", you know. At the end of the day, your fourth album comes out trying to be hot, trying to be fresh. We're using the same beats. You're going with the same sound, still yelling into the mic the same way. I think the, the greatest know that 
even if that is your greatest method and your greatest move, maybe it isn't the best move all the time. And I think that Cliff Kingsbury has a chance to turn it around, but the books don't look great for him right now. I think that he has a chance to bring this team to the playoffs still this year because the AFC West is, or the NFC West is kind of in limbo a little bit at this point in time. Los Angeles Rams not looking too hot. San Francisco 49ers are always a question mark in my opinion. Seattle Seahawks honestly looking like they, they got their names in there too now. Most people didn't think that they would. But let me leave it with let me leave that to you with to you, Dallas. I know I said a lot right there. But do you see Cliff Kingsbury kind of being like these people, like the Fast and Furious Fast and Furious series? Or even maybe a 6-9? Or an in sync type of uh, type of character in the NFL. I I see King Cliff Kingsbury as exactly as that. I think there's been a stat going on for ever since he's been the coach, where the first eight games of the season, he's elite, very elite. Next eight, which is now nine, almost past us. Now nine games now because of the seventeenth game, and yeah, which yeah. is almost past us. Mm-hmm. They are one of the worst teams in the league consistently. Maybe he'll flip the script and they'll be better in the second half. Maybe. Maybe he'll make a new beat or something, but <laughs> I think it's been kind of obvious that D. Coiners are realizing this, this boy used the same beat and they're adjusting every single year. And still, he ain't figured it out. Sounding like, as you said, in sync, sounding like Ice Spice and stuff, man. This might be, might be like a little one-hit wonder sort of deal where he, he might be in the league, out the league. I know he's had a couple seasons, but it's nothing too very much to ride home with his NFL stay. I would also agree to that. I think that Cliff Kingsbury, when he came in, a lot of people had question marks whether or not he had the qualifications to have that job. Never had a winning season in college, and he had Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. I think that's all you really need to hear. And Kyler Murray. But at the end of the day, Cliff Kingsbury, it's a tough world out here to be an NFL head coach. There is no room for us giving you any leeway, really. You've had a couple of years at this point in time. I'm not an Arizona Cardinals fan, but I can see the writing on, my, on the wall myself. I don't think it looks too good for you. And this team around you have a decent amount of talent, and I understand that maybe on the defensive end you don't, don't have that much talent. But what we would all give to have a Kyler Murray at the end of the day. We'll see what happens, though, because they are getting their true number one back, DeAndre Hopkins. And as I did say earlier, there is, there is time. There is. It's not like he's gone at this point in time. Cliff Kingsbury, I'm sure he's hearing all the noise. So we'll see what happens in this next game. I expect a little bit of a change, honestly, on that offense. I'm not the one to really give him advice as, what to, was, as to what to do, but I can tell you that it's the same game plan usually have Kyler Murray scramble and look for his number one most of the time. Not really even that good at design of scrambles or too much RPOs or anything like that. Nothing really too creative. What do you think, Dallas, about that? I think they've tried to build Texas Tech in the NFL. I think that's what he's tried to do. He's tried to make a team just like Texas Tech, have a bunch of receivers, throw the ball 60 times a game, and... Let's score 50 points and see if that's going to win. Problem is, defenses in the NFL, they're a lot better than the Big 12, buddy. 
and scoring nine po- nine points to the formerly worst rated defense in the Seattle Seahawks, not good, not good at all. Hollywood Brown didn't get injured until I think second half, and it was on a goal ball on fourth down where they threw a jump ball to five nine Hollywood Brown against six four Tariq Woolen. Mind you, Tariq Woolen runs a four two faster than Hollywood Brown. Where was the success rate going to happen on that? That was a mind-boggling decision. It just didn't make sense. Their game plan, if the first read and the first option doesn't work, they don't adjust. There's, it goes out of whack. They don't know what to do. They panic. Even the defense. The defense-wise, they played a lot better this past game, but the GM's gotten a lot of, what is that? Cliff has been a lot of the scapegoat two for a lot of bad drafting the past couple of years i think i would agree as well i mean people loved isaiah simmons and a lot of these other picks that came out when they had them byron murphy and two linebackers two linebackers in the first round and both of them look like bust so far both of them look like bust straight up don't look good in the field i think isaiah simmons kind of looks awkward out there he doesn't he doesn't have a position he doesn't have a position he's not good enough to play safety at this point in time and a linebacker he's not He's too small. He's not good enough to play against the run or the coverage is decent in my opinion, but he I mean, he's a young player. Who knows? He could beef up a little bit and or maybe get a little bit smarter throughout the years. Arizona Cardinals. Not looking too great though. Especially with all the expectations coming into the season. If you're an Arizona Cardinals fan, I'm sure you're a little bit in misery right now. But don't worry. There's a lot of people that are joined in there with you like us Chicago Bears fans. Denver Broncos fans, I'm sure, out there not, not feeling it too great. But let's get to another topic. We talked about the NBA a little bit earlier, but let's continue on a little bit. Yeah, the Mavs versus the Suns. Going on right as we speak, right now. It's halftime. Dallas Mavericks are up 62-45 to 45 against Phoenix. Dallas Mavericks have kind of had this rivalry against the yeah. Phoenix Suns over the past couple seasons. Devin Booker and Luka Doncic not really liking each other. But Luka Doncic seems to be getting the upper hand in most of these most oh, of yeah. these instances. Up by 17.5, do you expect the Suns have any chance to come back in this game? No. Luka Doncic is that dude. At this point, what's the worst rating would you have, Gabe, on Luka in the league? What's the like your lowest ranking you would have on him? Oh, like best out of the league, top five, is what you're saying? That's your like that's the lowest you would have them. No, no, I would say, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'd, I'd say top five. Yeah, I would be up there, man. Probably he's that dude. Yeah, he's he's top, top five. five yeah. Devin Booker, as much as he's a great scorer. Oh, I'd have him top fifteen. Probably he, he's not he, he's not that level. Like Devin Booker's not a dude you give the ball to and you say run the offense, take care of the offense, and we'll be great. You get a bucket. He he's a dude that yep. You tell him off ball, run around, go to your spot. We'll pass you the ball, and then you get the bucket. He's a play finisher. That's what he needs to be. He can't. He's not a ball handler like Luca. Luca is pretty much if you combine Devin Booker plus Chris Paul and put him in a six seven two forty body with no athleticism. That's Luca. That's a perfect way to put it, honestly. And that's that's what's crazy about it is that he's carrying. Who's his second leading scorer right now? Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm pretty sure thirteen points. Sp- Spencer Dinwiddie's your second leading scorer. And it looks like you got Dorian Finney-Smith also up there. Christian Wood at nine right oh, now. Oh, Christian Wood at nine. And Luca's doing this. 
Yeah, Luka has 20 points at half, also <laughs> five rebounds and three assists. Luka Doncic is the next coming of MJ. Since, uh, like, literally, he doesn't play like Michael Jordan, but I think he has that same tenacity. I think you can see it in, in his game. He really imposes himself in any way that he wants in any moment. If he wants to take a three, he's taking a three. If he wants to drive it aside, he's driving it aside. If he wants to get someone open, he's getting someone open. You know, he he's a scary person to go against. And as you mentioned, the Phoenix Suns, I think, are a team that are, are going to be in limbo for the next couple of years. They've they've been to almost the highest of heights, almost won a championship, won six games with Milwaukee, won the first two games, lost the next four. Ever since then, I think it's going to be de- like not downhill, but they have good talent, as you mentioned, and Devin Booker, Chris Paul. Chris Paul is getting old, though. DeAndre Ayton, someone they just paid this last se- this last offseason, but it came with a lot of controversy in itself within the team trying to Ooh, see yeah. if he was, was worth ugly. it. I think it stirred a lot of things in the Phoenix Suns pot. I think this team isn't good enough at the end of the day to win, to get back to the championships. But I do think they're a good team. I think they're dangerous on any given night as well. But this Dallas Mavericks team is ready this year. And even though they don't have the talent around them, Luka Doncic is ready, you know? Oh, yeah, he's ready. He's, he's the most... It's hard to, to compare him, honestly, because I, I, I want to compare him to, like, MJ and LeBron, like, literally, how they, especially, like, LeBron with Miami or, like, LeBron, I guess, by himself with the Cavs. That boy's going to do what he's going to do. I think I got you one right here. Rockets, James Harden, even with play style, I feel like they play the exact same. Better, though. It's just Yeah, he's a better, be, he's a better offensive version. And come playoff time, he's someone you can trust. That's insane to say. James Harden in, he averaged 35 a game in a season, and, I'm, and we're saying that he could be better than that. Come playoff, the, the biggest thing is come playoff time, someone like Luka Doncic, I trust with the ball. Oh, yeah. With the last shot, too, or something like that. You know, I don't yeah. trust someone like James Harden. And that's one of the rarest things to find in NBA. And at such a young age, too, there's only a couple other people oh. in the league I'm like, yeah, I would trust him, like, without a doubt. Like, even I, if he misses it, I, I would be like that, then it was destined to miss, you know? I think one thing people don't understand about Luka is that he's dang near the same size as LeBron. People don't understand that. He's, he's 6'7", 235, 240. This is not a small ball-handling point guard. This is a big forward dribbling the ball. He's two inches and about 20-something pounds bigger than James Harden, and James Harden is known as a bigger ball-handling guard. That's why you would say you would trust him in the playoffs more, and I do as well. Defenses have a hard time guarding Luka because you just can't put the same people on him. You put a small guard on him, we all know what Luka's going to do. He's going to do the slowest crossovers you've seen in your life. He's going to walk them down to the basket and do the slowest layup, probably three pump fakes just to get him to jump like two inches off the ground, and he's going to do a finger roll because Luka doesn't dunk. And then he's going to follow that up with a double step back, double contested three from 30 feet and yelling in the guy's face. Luka's a menace. He's, I feel like he's James Harden with the mindset of Kobe Bryant where he has that killer mindset, that, that mama mentality, as we, as we NBA fans would say. He plays like James Harden, but he has that it. That, like, you just can't... And he's tougher, I would say. Yeah, it's that it factor. Like, you know what I mean? You can, you can see. You don't know... There's not like a word. It's just it. Like, when he plays the game, you can tell the people around him, even his teammates, and even the opposing team, it's a kind of a... Just a 
magnetism about it where he scores a couple buckets on the other and you're the other team, whoa, you're scared now. It's a different level. Luka Doncic is someone special to watch. If you haven't watched him, please go out there and watch him, especially come playoff time. He moves just like you, probably. (laughs) (laughs) He is not the most athletically gifted, but he sees the floor better than anyone else in the league. Probably LeBron James is up there with him. Oh, he's on that level, yeah. He he is really gifted. Coming from from Europe, too, I believe... do you know what country Spain. he's from? Or he's from Slovenia, but he played in, he played for Real Madrid. From Slovenia. A lot of these guys are there. Nikola Jovic, Nikola Jokic from Serbia. Giannis from Greece. Luka won player of the year in Europe at 18. <laughs> That's insane. This guy Luka is the real deal. Real deal. I think he's he was my pick for MVP this year. Same year. He's my pick for MVP <laughs> this year. year, so we're going to see what happens with that team. This Phoenix Suns team. DeAndre Ayton only has four points, but he's only played seven minutes through the first half. Ooh, that's not good. It's like he did start for them, but only has played seven minutes. I have not seen anything about him getting injured. So this is something we were talking about a little bit earlier. Monty Williams, the head coach for the Phoenix Suns, really went in on on DeAndre Ayton, calling him kind of soft and that he needs to impose himself and play better last year in the playoffs, took him out early. In the playoffs, ever since then, they didn't speak the entire offseason. Things were saying, people were saying everything was good, but he's only played seven minutes, only had four points. A lot of people are questioning this so far. Do you think this could be a symptom of, or a sign, I should say, of the Phoenix Suns' downfall, Dallas? I think, I just I just saw right now, I think it's foul trouble, but I think this, this definitely will leak into the minds of the players. Again, Robert Sarver... That whole offseason dilemma about DeAndre Ayton, was it worth it? What did you save? You saved, what, $10 million in the total of the next four years? What was the what, what was the reason for that? All you did was make your team distrust you now. Your team does not like you. They're literally at odds with their owner. The coach is probably siding with the players. DeAndre Ayton's now questioning every move by everybody because he doesn't trust anybody now because the owner was not trying to pay him. That's insane. He's now, what if now he's thinking, oh, they don't want to give me minutes because they don't want me to look good. They want to trade me. It's going to leak into the minds of the players. Players are human. These things have human impact on them. DeAndre Aiden, I don't think is good enough at the end of the day, though. It's It's tough, yeah. So, in in today's NBA, too, he's too much of a traditional type of center. I think it's, it's it's something to... You can't, it's hard to run plays for those guys, mostly. You know, on the defensive end, it's, it's, it's really good, and it can help in a lot of different types of situations, even though people are starting to play five out a lot of days, and yeah. that can really hurt your defense. When, but when you're trying to run offense for guys like that, really it just slows down the offense, kind of breaks it down. They're not that good of passers. You can crash down on those guys. You see even with Joel Embiid this last game. So DeAndre Ayton's going to have to find himself in that offense. I think they should just let him walk personally to Indiana. That was the team that was offered him, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they should just let him walk. I don't think he is that good of a player. I think he's a good player, but I don't think that's exactly what this team needed, especially when Chris Paul is getting this old, and that's the type of player that would be good with Chris Paul. But when you're transitioning to what you hopefully want to be, uh, a three-second offense, you know, kind of just passing that real quick. 
getting De- uh, Devin Booker open. Hopefully McCall Bridge is open. Drawing plays up for a lot of these other guys. Cam Reddish. How does DeAndre Aiden fit in that, you know? It, it, it's tough. You could tell that Aiton was definitely a Chris Paul move. Chris Paul, we all know, same play style for the last, what, 15 years. Pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. If big steps up, throw the lob. And Aiton's good at that. He's very good at that. But ask Aiton to create for himself, and that's where problems arise. Is he worth that money? Again, for a championship team, probably yes. Are the Suns still that championship team? They lost a lot of pieces. J- that like what, what is it? Jay Crowder. Yeah, Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder. That's not been it's a massive piece. Massive piece. Not not easy to replace. Cam Johnson stepping in decently, but not the same. We all know Jay Crowder. I said Cam Cam Reddish, huh? Yeah, I'm thinking about Atlanta. Oh, yeah, maybe Cam Johnson. Yeah. Back to your point, though. Sorry to no, make yeah. you off. No, you good. Cam Cam Johnson though, like. He stepped up. He's stepping up. He's a good shooter. Actually, one of the better in the league. Just the defense-wise, Jay Crowder was different. Jay Crowder, the big body. Jay Crowder was a man that they, they would ask to match up on LeBron. Like, that's not an easy task, and that's someone you're really losing. They're, they don't have another physicality, like another player with that kind of physicality on the team, besides Aiton. Kind of the same problem with the Los Angeles oh, Lakers. Oh, very much. Except Los Angeles Lakers wish they had that type of shooting. Oh, they wish. So that's going to have to do it for us. And the double-double here in KLJX, LP, and Flagstaff. My name is Gabriel Dixon, joined by my co-host, Dallas Cooper. Yes, sir. It's been a great night. And audience, hope, thank you guys for staying tuned. We'll be back next week, same time, 7 o'clock to 8.30. You know what it is. Y'all take it easy. Thank you.